Welcome on in to the Cat's Corner Podcast, the new relaunched Daily Northwestern Podcast. My name is Max Gelman, and joining me on the phone is Bobby Pilati. Bobby, how are you? Uh, I'm doing well, Max. How are you? I'm doing great, you know. We've got a couple more weeks of the football season and getting ready for the season to start. We've uh, started our football preview coverage. Bobby wrote a very nice special teams preview mm-hmm. today, and we've got a uh, offensive line preview out as well soon. But today we're going to talk about a couple different things. We're going to talk about Kenosha. Bobby attended the open practice to Kenosha over the weekend. We're going to break down the depth chart a little bit. And then we're going to talk about uh, Northwestern not being ranked in the opening Associated Press poll, something which Coach Fitzgerald is obviously very unhappy about. So first things first, Kenosha, Bobby, what were your general takeaways from the practice? Yeah, so uh, I think the most important to take away from Kenosha, it's not who played, it's who didn't play. Um, so, you know, they hold the scrimmage every year during training camp, and it was really um, heavily focused on younger guys, so we didn't get a, a big impression of the death chart, per se. Um, I think uh, two really big things to note. Um, one is that uh, on the defensive line, um, they're definitely going to be shuffling people in and out um, all season long. There's really not going to be clear starters there. Um, and that was that was obvious even during the scrimmage. So just from a gameplay strategy, um, they're going to rotate a lot of guys in there. Um, and two, um, really, you're going to see the importance of, of having depth. Um, this is something that uh, Pat Fitzgerald has talked about the past few years. You know, having um, competitive depth on the roster, and and from his perspective, that's there um, to you know sort of push guys to be better. But I think too. Uh, you know, injuries always happen in football, and we've seen uh, injuries, uh, you know, really hurt some of the Cats in the past few seasons, and I think Fitz is really mindful of that, especially on that excellent, excellent defense. Uh, he wants to make sure that the guys further down the roster um, are ready to go. Yeah, let's talk about the defensive line for a second. Obviously, we've got Ifadi Adenabo and Xavier Washington as the lockdown studs, but with the departure of Dean Lowry, how is this rotation going to shake down? Yeah, so the sleeper, sort of in my eyes, he's really not a sleeper, but I think the guy who's going to step up big time uh, is Jordan Thompson. So uh, entering his sophomore year, um, so he was one of the few uh, true pl- true freshmen to get playing time last season. Um, so the dude's clearly got talent, uh, he's got size, and I think he'll play in uh, really well in the D-line rotation uh, on those earlier you know, run situation downs. Um, Xavier Washington definitely has some talent, um, but the dude is very undersized. Uh, so I really don't see fit gluing him in there, uh, especially against some of the burly uh, rushing attacks we see here on the Big Ten. Um, so I think uh, Jordan Thompson is a guy who will probably play on the outside on earlier downs and then could shift inside uh, on certain pass rush situations. Jordan Thompson, the sophomore from Cincinnati, Ohio. He is six foot three, listed at six foot three and two hundred and ninety pounds. A true sophomore, played in all thirteen games last year. Had. 15 total tackles, that's 7 solo and 8 assisted tackles. So, with this uh, rotation, do you see uh, Thompson being more of a run stopper or more of like a pass uh, pass rusher? What kind of uh, lineman is he? You know, I don't know if he has uh, a tight set, um, given his, his, you know, present but limited playing time last season. Um, given his size, and just sort of uh, his size relative to everyone else um, on the defensive line, I think he will be sort of in more um, in run stop situations because I think the bench is a little bit deeper 
um, for those pass rush situations. Right, you've got guys like Xavier Washington um, and and others on the roster who are uh, you know more able to step in on those pass rush situations. Um, and you know when you rotate the defensive line as much as it looks like you're going to, uh, one of your big advantages, right, is that you can always bring on a fresh leg. So I think it seems more likely that, uh, you know, Jordan Thompson plays those more run situations and they bring in uh, more pass rush specialists um, when the situation calls for it. Okay. Um, I think with the loss of Lowry, uh, I don't think the defensive line is going to suffer that much. Lowry, uh, of course, being drafted in April in the fourth round by the Green Bay Packers. But uh, this rotation... Do you do you think it could, um, with a lack of continuity, with everyone changing around, do you think that'll be beneficial, or will it hamper their performance? Uh, I think the rotation is, is definitely a good thing. Um, I think especially now that, that Dean Lowry is gone, um, the defensive line lacks a true star. Um, so I think it's good for them to, you know, play to certain situations and get the best guy for that situation out of the field, and again, um, just to keep everybody fresh. Um, I think that helps, too. Um, finally, I think, you know, going back to last season when they still rotated um, a lot of these guys in, and, you know, now guys like uh, Lowry and Deontay Gibson leave, but the guys that replaced them um, already have playing experience. And, you know, if someone gets hurt, which, again, is, you know, some, it's bound to happen to someone, um, you're less worried about one injury sort of um, ruining your entire defense. All right. Uh, one of the biggest storylines of the offseason, Bobby, has been the position change for Solomon Vault from running back to wide receiver. Uh, Northwestern doesn't have a lot of receivers uh, on their roster right now. Uh, Superbag Dan Vitale was drafted by the Buccaneers last year. And Austin Carr, the senior receiver, is basically their number one receiver by default. He's got, he's got a decent... Uh, a decent career. He had a, uh, excuse me one second. He had played in all 12 games last year, had only 16 catches for 302 yards and two touchdowns, but only had seven career catches before last season. So the wide receiver depth is a really big, I wouldn't say issue, but it's something that the Wildcats are definitely looking to improve upon, especially with a young quarterback like Clayton Thorson. Oh, Max, I, I would call it a big issue. Um, that's, I think, definitely the number one concern on this roster right now. Uh, you saw they moved uh, not only Vault, but two other guys, um, Stephen Reese and Marcus McShepard, who were defensive backs. They moved them uh, to wide receiver as well over the offseason. Um, so definitely, definitely, definitely um, a big concern um, on the part of the coaching staff. Um, yeah, that's, I think that's the number one spot they have to show up. Um, now, you mentioned Austin Carr a little bit. Um, sort of as being the, the default number one. Uh, you know, his numbers last season weren't great, but every receiver on the roster had, had terrible numbers last season. I mean, it just wasn't a, a very passing-oriented offense. Um, I think Carter's legit. Uh, you know, he's the former walk-on, but he earned a scholarship to the team, and I really think he, he did earn it. Um, he's developed a good rapport with Clayton Thorson, and um, I think he'll be a good guy to have in that number one spot heading into the season. Do you think the defenses will try to take him away, knowing how inexperienced he is? Well, you know, he's inexperienced in terms of, of actual field time, right? But he's a senior now. So think of how many wrestling practices that is. And, you know, he saw plenty of live action um, a year ago. So 
in terms of experience, I'm not too worried about them. And just the kind of offense Northwestern tends to run, um, you know, I think Carr will be the number one guy, but he's not so good that you want to devote extra resources toward taking him away. Um, you know, Nick McCall, the offensive coordinator, has, has been running a spread-style system for a long time. Um, so if you really hone in on one guy, uh, they're going to find other options. Okay, so let's uh, just go through this depth chart for the receivers. Uh, we've got Austin Carr yeah. at the X, uh, Solomon Vault probably at the Z wide receiver spot, and then the Y is going to be Andrew Scanlon. So that's that's what I'm thinking right now. Um, that's certainly the spot that's subject to the most change. Um, Carr and Vault, the sort of one and two, um, are locked. I'm, I'm very confident in that. Uh, Scanlon is sort of the the other senior um, with Carr right on the roster right now. Um, so you know, I think especially early in the going. Uh, Northwestern coaches are going to play it a little more conservatively and just put the guys out there that have the most experience, um, I think especially to help force it out. Uh, but there is some younger talent um, behind him that's coming in a push. Um, so Flynn Nagel uh, played last year as a true freshman and um, ended up getting hurt halfway through the year, but he looked pretty good early on. Um, of course, there's Jelani Roberts, the uh, five foot eight speedster. Um, so even if he doesn't start, um, he's still going to get plenty of playing time, especially in, in special packages and situations. Um, there's also been a lot of hype around uh, redshirt freshman Charlie Fessler. Uh, he's listed at six foot four and 215 pounds, um, so easily the biggest wide receiver on the roster for the Cavs. Um, Would we'll remind fans of uh, Kyle Crater, you know, sort of a big possession type wide receiver. Um, so he could get playing time just because he uh, brings a very different skill set to the table. And then you, you'd say uh, Garrett Dickerson would be the superback filling in for. Vitaly? Yeah, so Dickerson will be the, the starter, and then he'll be the first guy out on the field. But um, it looks like the coaching staff feels that, that Dickerson is sort of the blocking super back, and um, the, the you know nominal backup, uh, Jamie Taylor, is more of the pass catching super back. Um, so as a refresher, um, Taylor was injured all of last year. We didn't get to see him play. Uh, the year before that, uh, looked good in limited action. Um, but I think it's very likely that we see a rotation of both those guys um, unless one um, really starts to stand out. I just feel that, uh, you know, this is still going to be a very run-oriented attack, and uh, Dickerson as the blocking superback um, is definitely going to get more of the playing time. All right, so we've talked a little bit about the wide receivers now. Let's move on to the rest of the offense, break down that depth chart. Uh, aside from the receivers, most of the offense looks the same as last year. We've got Clayton Thorson at quarterback. He's got a year of experience under his belt. Justin Jackson, the ball carrier, he's back. He's going to get a ton of carries. He's going to rush for 1,000 yards again if he stays healthy. Does this, is this offense basically going to be the same as last year? Uh, well, I think that comes down to two things. Um, so the first, obviously, is Thorson. Um, many people are expecting that you know, he'll make a, a freshman to sophomore year jump. Um, and the re reality of that situation is that, quite frankly, he really can't be any worse um, than he was a year ago. Uh, I mean, he just barely completed 50% of the passes. Um, you know, you can't get much worse than that in, in full-time starting duty. So um, I think Forson will improve. I think he will make a freshman, sophomore year jump. Um, you know, he's got great athleticism, and I think he just has to, uh, you know, work on that pocket presence. Um, 
But two of the most important things that I think will help sort of off the whole offense um, is the offensive line in front of them. Um, the offensive line was really hard hit um, by injuries last season. I don't think they started the same combination of five linemen uh, twice throughout the season. Um, and I think in total played uh, nine or ten or eleven guys. Um, so a lot of rotation to that offensive line, and that's really one of the position groups where uh, it helps to have continuity with those guys, uh, you know, blocking next to you. Um, so I think that's something I never developed there. Um, it's looking a lot healthier coming into the season. Um, a lot of guys returning on that line. Um, so I think if if the line can stay healthy and just play consistently um, and play to the level of their talent, I think the offense as a whole um, will see a lot of improvement. One of the things Thorson did really well last year when he was able to, he was able to open the field with his running. Uh, Thorson last year ru- rushed 100 times uh, for 397 yards. That's just under four yards a carry, if you can do the simple math with that. Also had five rushing touchdowns, a big rushing touchdown against Stanford to open the season. Really put him on the map, exploding out right out of the gate. Uh, how do you see that sort of, those types of plays factoring into Northwestern season this year? Because you talked a bit about the pocket presence, but what about that second dimension? Yeah, so the, uh, the offense has seemed pretty conservative, or at least seemed conservative last year um, in terms of forcing taking off on designed runs. Uh, you know, we didn't see a whole lot of re-option uh, looks. It was more so, you know, Thorson would drop back to pass and, and would scramble and he'd, would go for these big runs. And he's very good at that. Um, so I think we'll have plenty of, of latitude to do that in the future. Um, again, if only because, you know, he pulls it off so well. Um, but that's just a lot of things for Northwestern, especially in, in the passing game also. Um, you know, if you've got the threat of a running quarterback, um, that's another thing for uh, your linebackers and your safeties to watch out for, and that can help open up the passing game down the field. Um, so I think the ideal situation for Thorson um, is to, you know, keep stretching those legs, be a situational runner, um, but at the end of the day, you know, take what the defense gives them. So if there's room to run, you know, take up, uh, pick up five, six yards or rip off a big one if you can. And uh, hopefully that threat um, will help keep defenses on it and help open things up for him um, as he develops as a passer. I've got one more question for you about the quarterbacks before we switch to the defense for a second. Uh, how do you see Matt Elvidi factoring into the offense this year? With, it, with all of his design runs. Yeah, so Matt Alvini, um definitely an interesting case. Uh, you know, former four-star recruit, um, was a really big guy, like Kidder Northwestern, and then was uh, immediately overshadowed by Thorson. Um, he actually had off-season surgery uh, on both his hips uh, in the spring. Um, so, you know, it's possible that last season maybe not everything was, was quite right with him. I don't know for sure, so I won't speculate. Um, we do know that he is fully healthy coming into this season. Um, but Patrick Trill was very clear um, how Vidi is the backup. Phil Thorson is definitely the guy. Um, and really, unless he gets hurt, uh, it's, it's going to be him. Um, in terms of how Vidi designed runs, uh, you know, we'll see. Um, it could certainly be a, a trick in the bag, but I think it's pretty unlikely just given that, uh, you know, Thorson is, is already a very good runner. And to the extent they're going to keep the ball on the ground, uh, I think you're going to see uh, way more Justin Jackson than you'd ever see, you know, Matt LPD design from. 
I think it'd just be a fun idea to bring back the two-quarterback system with Kane Coulter and Trevor Simeon, have Thorson and Alvidi both on the field. You never know who's going to run it. But that's a... a oh, you, know, you know, I'm a big fan of that, but uh, I, I don't think... Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Maybe, maybe they'll save that for uh, when they're playing Ohio State. They need to <laughs> Uh, I don't think it'll be a consistent part of the offense. Yeah, that, that, that's just a, a, a wish of mine. But moving now to the defense, um, we talked about the defensive line a little bit in that rotation. Uh, the linebackers are going to be the best group on this defense. Anthony Walker, uh, going into his junior season, uh, has probably got the NFL draft on his mind. He's more. He's definitely going to be selected in the draft. Um, but the, the cornerbacks and the safety... Uh, they have a bit of a different look this year. Uh, the Sky Team, as they're called, is without Travion Henry and Nick Van Hoos this year. And the expected replacement for Nick Van Hoos, Keith Watkins, is out for the season with a knee injury. So that leaves the second uh, starting cornerback job opposite Matthew Harris up to a bunch of people who haven't really seen the field a lot. Uh, most people expect sophomore cornerback Montre Hardage to fill in. Uh, Bobby, what what did you see from him at Kenosha? Yeah, you know, I think um, Montre Hardage is, is certainly up to the task. Um, losing Keith Watkins hurt. Uh, he definitely was the second-best cornerback uh, on the team after Matt Harris, but um, I think Hardage is, is an apt replacement. Um, so he is one of the other guys who got playing time last season as a true freshman. Um, saw him a lot on special teams, but he did also rotate it on the defense. Um, so, you know, there's, he still needs plenty of, of game experience. He's still kind of raw. Um, but he's got one of the best mentors in the business, right? Um, you know, he's got Matt Heron opposite of you, um, you know, helping you out, teaching you things in practice, and then also during games, right? Uh, I don't think a whole lot of quarterbacks are going to be uh, anxious to throw to Matt Harris' side. Um, so Harder will be tested early and often. Um, hopefully he won't break under the pressure. Hopefully he, he learns quickly as an, an effective replacement. Yeah, I think Hardage is going to see a lot of a lot of balls thrown his way. Uh, what we saw in the Outback Bowl in January when Van Hoos was out with a finger injury and Keith Watkins had to come in, uh, Josh Dobbs targeted Keith Watkins like crazy, and Watkins stepped up huge. He swatted down three passes. Um, I, I just think it's a, a lot to ask of a guy who hasn't played a lot to step into that every down roll, um, even though Matthew Harris is a phenomenal cornerback, uh, I'm a little he- I'm a little worried about the other side of the field with Hardage. But the uh, the sa- the safeties are another story. Uh, right. Travion Henry uh, was a great great in the in the in the backfield for Northwestern last year. Uh, Kyle Caro was next to him, and Godwin Igwebuke is going to be the other starter. It looks like Godwin was a bit of a of a role player in the past. Uh, he didn't. He had that huge game his freshman year. We had a couple interceptions against Wisconsin, um, and then he sort of like his playing time was off and on. But now he's going to be in that every down safety role. Um, is that something that Northwestern needs to be worried about, or are you confident in Igwebuke? Oh, not at all. I think Godwin's a stud. You know, if it weren't for Anthony Walker on this defense, I think Godwin would actually um, be, you know, talked about quite a bit more. Um, And I think he's also a guy that um, has legitimate um, NFL, a legitimate NFL future. Um, Yeah, I think think Godwin's a great player. Um, There's one play that sticks out if you go back to the Duke game last season. 
um, where, you know, Dalvin comes out from the safety position to, uh, to tackle the Duke running back and comes up and just rips the ball straight out of his hands to force a fumble. I mean, excellent technique and, you know, forces a turnover. Um, it was a fantastic play. Um, so we've seen the guys that notice the ball, um, both in the air and on the ground. Um, and, yeah, I mean, another year of experience under his belt because he, he you know, played a decent, a, bit, a decent amount last year, um, also got some playing time as freshman year. Um, so coming into his third season, seeing the field, um, yeah, I think he'll be ready to go. All right. So in on the defense, uh, we've got Matthew Harris, Godwin Ibubuke, Kyle Cairo, and Montre Hardage as the projected starters. In the linebacking group, we've got Anthony Walker, Jalen Prater, and Nate Hall, who stepped up huge at, towards the end of last season as a freshman. Yeah. Uh, defensive line, we already went through. Afadio Denebo, Tyler Lancaster, C.J. Robbins, Jordan Thompson, and they'll rotate uh, pretty much uh, throughout the entire season. Also, Xavier Washington and Jordan Thompson. Oh, sorry, I said Thompson already. Um, but now we're going to go to a bit of news that Northwestern wasn't too happy about. Uh, not being ranked in the AP poll, only received five votes. That would have been 39th if everyone who received votes was ranked. They finished behind Ohio State, who was 6, Michigan at 7, Michigan State at 12, Iowa at 17, Wisconsin received 42 votes, they would have been 32, and Nebraska received 11 votes, which would be 37. So... Based on what you told me earlier, Bobby, uh, the chip on his shoulder is going to be a big theme this season, especially after Northwestern won 10 games last year and is being, in Pat Fitzgerald's eyes, sort of, like, discarded, basically. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Fitzgerald was, was certainly upset about... Uh of the rankings. And for a guy who really doesn't seem to care about that stuff too much, um, you could tell it really got there. Um, but I, I think the biggest part isn't necessarily not being ranked, but rather uh, being ranked behind two teams that he beat last season. I mentioned they were behind both Wisconsin and Nebraska uh, in votes received. Um, but he's realistic about the situation, too. You know, he knows that he's got to get his guys ready and, and just go out there and keep winning. It makes sense if I'm a voter. Um, you know, I see a, a ten and three Northwestern team um, that frankly wasn't that didn't look very good most of the time. And, and yeah, you know, especially if, if that Outback Bowl loss is, is what's in your mind, uh, there's no way you're ranking them in the top twenty-five. Um, but I think the chip on their shoulder is, is a good position for Northwestern to be in. Um, I think, with, given the history of this program, it's, it's easy to come off a, a ten-win season. Um, and be complacent, um, but that's not at all the attitude um, that fits really anyone on the roster team to have. Um, these guys are all hungry, and they really want to go out there and, and prove everybody wrong and prove that uh, this team can be a, a consistent, um, high-performing team. Do you have a theory about why the perception of Northwestern is so much lower than what uh, most, than I guess what Pat Fitzgerald thinks? I, their losses, they won 10 games last year, which is a huge accomplishment for a program like the Wildcats. But the three losses they gave up, they were outscored, what, like 110 to 20? Is that is that basically oh, it? I mean, you got to look at uh, you know who they beat uh, and, and how they beat them, right? So, you know, beating up on, on, you know, Minnesota in the Big Ten West 
isn't very impressive. Uh, barely beating a mediocre Nebraska team wasn't that impressive. Um, you know, a win over Duke was okay. Um, the win over Stanford was, you know, annoyingly ignored by a lot of the media because Stanford was playing in a different time zone. Um, <laughs> so, that, so that was actually a fairly quality win on their part. Um, but, you know, close game against Penn State. Um, so it's just when you don't have sort of a, a signature victory, um, and you have all of these really, really big defeats, you know, psychologically, I think it's much easier to go, wow, they got blown out by Michigan, Iowa, Tennessee, and just to think of, of the teams they actually did beat. Um, but, I mean, yeah, historically, you know, Northwestern hasn't had a lot of success, and especially if you look at, uh, you know, their recruiting rankings um, and just the talent available on the roster. Um, yeah, you know, I don't think on paper this is a top 25 team, um, especially given the performance of Thorson last season. Um, so, I, you know, I think the media perception is a little too low. Uh, you know, I don't think Nebraska should be ahead of Northwestern. Um, but at the same time, yeah, Northwestern still has a long way to go before anyone can consider them that sort of, uh, you know, perennial top 25 team. All right. That is going to do it for the Cats Corner Podcast, Episode 1. As a reminder, be sure to check out sportsblog.dailynorthwestern.com for our uh, 2016 football preview. We've got the offense, the rest of the offense this week, and then next week we have the defense, season predictions, and other fun content that we have planned. One last bit of news before we officially sign off. Former Wildcat quarterback Trevor Simeon has been named the starter for the Denver Broncos for their third preseason game against the Rams on Saturday. Again, for Cats Corner and Bobby Pilati, my name is Max Gelman. Thanks so much, Bobby. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye-bye.